0: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Living Room Podcast. <laughs> hey, hey,
1: hey, it's officially the new. Opening. <laughs> it really is. Hey, hey, uh, hey. We're glad
0: to be back. We've got Michelle, Randy, and myself. I didn't give you a chance to say anything. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> well, we're glad to be back. This week we're picking up a new message series called More Than You Think. Or, Scary is called Scaria." <laughs> Excuse me. It's called Isolation. And the first one is about we're more isolated than we think. So jumping right in for you guys, a random question, but what is something you feel like you were uniquely made for?
2: So for me, uh, cutting cakes (laughs) and eating them. Yeah? (laughs) And I'm pretty excited. Are you Uh, just a good cake cutter? I'm a very good cake cutter. I was made for it, Joseph. (laughs) (laughs) I I cut cakes with uh, efficiency, with strategy, and with precision.
0: Mm, I don't like cake. What
1: he also he can he it's a vision thing too he can see the crowd and see the cake yeah and know how to cut it. <laughs>
2: okay. like a highlight of hmm. my life really was this summer going up to to West Texas to officiate a friend's well our preschool minister Aaron's daughter's wedding but I was invited not just to be the officiant but also to be the cake cutter.
0: Like you were the first one to cut the cake.
2: He I was, was the, the only cake one. I was they didn't the cut, cut the cake. The cake no, they like- did, like a Brian <laughs> Gray. But then I was the the cake cutter.
1: I got this, guys. Yeah,
2: like the only thing I could think of that would be better than being an officiant and the cake cutter is being the preacher and the drummer. Like if I could uh-huh. do that, that would oh, that that that'd be awesome.
1: Now I'm picturing Randy like crouched behind the table with just his hand up <laughs> cutting the cake. So the picture still just has Aubrey and Noah in it. But to be clear, I <laughs> don't just hand. like
2: cake cutting. I like cake eating. Do you really not like cake?
0: Yeah, I'm a pie guy. I had pie instead of love a groom's both. cake
2: at my wedding. You had pie. Mm-hmm. Fruit pies? All the pies. No, you didn't have all pies. What Ooh. pies did you have? I don't remember.
1: Kilon?
0: I had fruit pies and <laughs> chocolate pies. <laughs> <laughs> all the pies. I do love pies. Warm I pies love and them cold both. pies. We've
1: had this conversation before, actually, that when it comes to pie, there's really not a pie that you prefer to eat room temperature. I pretty much want the cold pie to be cold or like the fruit crusty pie to be hot with ice cream there's some i will eat. do you know what makes me angrier than just about temperature i'll have it but
2: angrier than just about anything else on the planet when there's no ice cream no when people call something with meat pie like shepherd's pie pot pie
1: it's not pie pie.
0: that's dinner and
2: it's gross
1: it's a very (laughs) america-centric view what
0: (laughs) what about you michelle what's something you feel like you're well for?
1: don't know I think the first thing that comes to mind um, is laughing like mm. I've just I don't know what it is but I've always like got a little bit of a giggle just underneath the surface and it doesn't take much for it to come out. And I'll laugh at myself. I'll laugh at my own jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the, <laughs> <laughs> the good side of that is that it can make people feel funny, which usually puts them at ease.
0: Makes us feel real funny. But
1: I also, like, there's a phase that children go through when they don't like to be laughed at. And mm. that's that's put some walls up for me before, <laughs> between mm. me and preschoolers.
0: Yeah. But yeah. you were made for it. You are made to you laugh. Made, made for it. That's what you need to tell them, Joseph. I went a different route with this. Question, and I just kind of thought, what is something i love to do? I am a gift giver, and so, Michelle, I have actually something you for you today. Good. What? What? Oh my gosh, this is so
1: amazing! Sorry if I just hurt people. What? Uh uh-uh. uh. No,
2: no, no. <gasps> All right, y'all, oh you, you can't see oh what I gosh. see. I'll tell you what I'm seeing. Oh my
1: goodness. Joseph
2: has reached into a little ice chest and he has fork? brought oh, out a, a pint oh. of Bluebell oh oatmeal goodness. cream pie oh ice cream, <laughs> which Michelle has been searching for. First bite on the podcast. For weeks. Wow. In real time. Does it deliver? Wow. Mm -hmm. Were you made for ice cream eating? I was a little bit. (laughs) Bluebell was made for you.
0: You're welcome. How many spoons did you have, Joseph? Two. I have one for you too. Okay. Thank you. I just have one pint (laughs) to share.
1: That's the best podcast ever. <laughs> Ooh,
0: it's soft. There you go. Well, people are just going to listen to us eat. I've never felt <laughs> sorry for our listeners. Okay. That's good. Well, uh, the you reason. A good yeah, I you. <laughs> that's good to know. Uh, well, the reason we're talking about what we we were uniquely made for is because uh, Greg will set up in this message talking about one of the things that God uniquely made us for is to be connected to be connected to other people. Uh, and so he goes to Genesis 2 and Ecclesiastes. It really talks about from the beginning, God created us to not be alone. So jumping in to this concept of we were made to be connected, can you recall a time where you felt isolated? And what were the circumstances that led you there?
2: Just a minute ago, when you only got out one spoon. <laughs> you felt isolated? I felt isolated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I wasn't going to share.
1: Um, I think for me... More than like a specific time, one incident, I think when I tend to feel isolated is if I have myself convinced that I'm going through something or experiencing something that the people around me maybe haven't experienced or um, will understand or something like that. So even though I know that if I were to, you know, send a text to somebody or make a phone call, I would have support and encouragement. Um, there's still something. There's still an isolating feeling when you think that even if you do connect with somebody, they won't mm-hmm. get it. You know. Mm-hmm.
2: I think that's huge because that shapes the the perspective of isolation, and it, and it's bigger than just being alone, mm-hmm. right? And and it's bigger than just being lonely. It's the idea of mm-hmm. feeling like there's not anyone you can connect with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so for you to draw that circumstances, uh, I think that really helps broaden the understanding of isolation. Mm-hmm.
1: And even in the midst of people, you know, people were there. I had the choice to connect, but there's still there was there was, like me and the preschoolers that I laugh at. There was still a wall there of feeling isolated.
0: I think for me, I I think back to uh, when I went to college, um, and you know, I was really the first person in my my family to ever go to college, and to. Uh, also be the first one to really ever leave my hometown and being an only child. And so just growing up with all of that, and then going to a new place that is huge campus, tons of people, and just being like, I don't really know anyone. Uh, Most of my friends didn't come with me. And I'm just really struggled that first semester, just like the first few weeks really just like, where do I start? Where do I go? Mm. Um, I'm in a dorm living with three other guys and I'm on a campus with 40,000 other people, but I feel really isolated in this moment. And just, um, like you said, it's kind of more than, um, just not being near people around people. It's, it's, it's bigger than that. One of the other things I had that we kind of touched on is what is, what is it that we really feel in moments of isolation And I I have this quote that Greg uses from from Jeannie Allen. Um, It says, isolation is a sinking feeling that you aren't seen or known or that you're on your own to face whatever life is throwing at you. And I think you guys kind of hit on that, too, the idea that you can be surrounded by people and still feel isolated and still feel like no one quite understands what you're going through or that you're on your own.
2: I think I have a high need to be known, (laughs) you know, and
0: to know it
2: goes both ways. I really love to know people too and to know their stories and to hear what's going on with them. But uh, I feel that I know that that I need to be known and and love to be Mm -hmm. uh, authentic.
1: Yeah.
0: I think that it's good for us to even think about how we uniquely are wired too. like me and being different from you. Greg talks about even if you feel like you're an extrovert and you, you live for connection, like you can still be isolated, um, and even if you're an introvert like, and you just think, I just don't want to be near people, God still uniquely wired you for connection. Your connections just look different or the amount of connection that you desire is, is different, um, but you still need some.
2: I, I legit am so extroverted and crave connections so much that if I'm driving in my car for 10 minutes by myself, I think, who could I call? Really true story. Yeah. Most days when I head home from work, I'm calling someone. And then every once in a while, I realize you know, what you need just a little bit of quiet, you know, so Mm -hmm. why don't you not call someone and just
1: when I realized how extremely extroverted you were was when I learned that you would rather sit in a restaurant by yourself and eat just because there's other people around, than take that meal home with you and eat it on the couch in an empty house.
0: Yeah, you eat by yourself in a restaurant.
2: I do it all the time. I do it about once a week. Oh, I like it. I don't, I don't mind it. Because <laughs> I'm with my strange <laughs> friends that I don't know. Yeah.
0: Just around people. But yeah. is that connection? No, it's not. <laughs> but it's better than sitting by myself in my house. Although I do
2: have my dog, and she's she loves me.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I have a f- several verses here that we won't necessarily read all of them, but uh, you can find them on the study guide. Um, But they're just reminders of how God talks about us needing to be and and rely on other people. So what does it mean that God made us for community? We talk about that a lot. What does that really mean? And how does community actually benefit us?
2: I think what I would want to major on is what it actually means to be made for something, you know, and for it to not just be kind of a trite phrase, but like God made us uh, to breathe oxygen right? Like we get that. We really feel that God made us to need food and water. We understand those needs and we really do believe that we were made in such a way that we're dependent on us. And, and to actually think about connection and community in the same vein, like we really are wired, hardwired to need people. And, and we're holistic beings that are spiritual, physical, emotional, mental beings, like, and it's all connected. And I really, truly do believe that hardwired into us is this need for other people.
1: Yeah. So I'm 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 got something very specific in my mind because I'm fresh off of a meeting with one of our city's um, leaders that our global local associate Steve Erskine and I attended, and we were learning about needs in the community. And as these needs were being expressed, and we're trying to think through how our church can maybe meet them, I just loved it because y'all know how much I love team and how everybody brings unique things to the table so that ministry can happen. Um, you know, the need that there is for somebody to make phone calls to elderly people that need connection. And then the need for somebody who can build, um, <laughs> Handicap ramps and things like that, that's probably two different people. And I love that those two people are probably in our church somewhere. And so all of those things are coming together so that ministry can happen. And to me, that's a great picture of community. And it's not just about meeting needs, but for me, that's when it becomes so clear is when you think of all the different types of needs that are in you know, either our, our church family or just outside our church family in our community or even in the world, and how God created us uniquely to help meet those different needs.
2: Well, like you said, like that we do need each mm-hmm. other, you know, and I think in the message, Greg goes all the way back to the beginning to God's created order of things. And he says, man, God created Adam. And he said, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. He needs a helper. And and before you think, oh, helper, that's that's what the woman is. Well, like God also refers to himself as the helper. Mm. He refers to the Holy Spirit as our helper. So this is a high uh, high calling, right? And so the, the point being, uh, that that man needs woman and woman needs man. That that people are created at the beginning with this need for connection. Hmm. Yeah,
0: it makes me think about Ecclesiastes four. Um, God reminds us that pity the person who falls down has no one to pick them up. Uh, if one falls down, that their friend can help them up. And I think that's just one example of being connected is helps me. And I can think back to many moments in my life where I had a need or I was in a moment where I did not know what to do and just God had put people around me who brought me wisdom, brought me support, brought me whatever I actually needed and could provide it for me. And, uh, just thinking back, I just think, man, I'm so thankful that I was connected in those moments. Mm -hmm. Um, it really, it not only helped me, but it grew me to appreciate, um, how can I be that for other people and how can I stay this connected?
2: Well, and when you, you think about it, growing us and being a part of our growing, like, Thinking back and, and recognizing that what God has created in this is that uh, we, we say this a lot around here, that, that faith is personal. It's deeply personal, but it's not intended to ever be private. Mm. And the idea behind that is it's not an individual thing. Faith is a, a community thing, and God really has built the church and his body to not just be a collection of individuals, but to be a collaborative a collaborative body, a family, a a connected unit. And so, um, you know, the scriptures are to be interpreted in community and faith is to be lived out in community. And we we grow. It doesn't mean you can't grow by yourself, but we grow in connection and community.
1: Another thing that I think about, and I may be jumping to the next question a little bit, but, you know, one of the, the enemies of connection that Greg talks about is pain And um, something that I've been learning in the internship that I'm doing and through school is a lot about pain that people have experienced, of course. And something that is said over and over and over again is that pain happens in relationships, but also the only way pain can be healed is in relationships. And so that, like to me, that makes so much sense how pain becomes an enemy of connection because even though we need each other... People are imperfect and we let each other down or whatever. And so, but then that's exactly what we need is for all of this stuff to play out with other people as well.
0: Mm. Well, I think that's a great thing for us to think about. If we were created for community and connection, but we we all feel isolation at times, there are things that get in the way, the enemies of connection. And so what are common enemies of connection that we experience and we, we hear about from other people? And then which actually are the ones that keep you from connecting the most? I think there's, you know, dozens. Um,
2: But I would boil it down to three in our time that are most significant. And I think it's uh, screens, schedules, and insecurities. Um, so when I'm talking screens, I'm talking primarily the phones in our pockets, right? Mm-hmm. And and I know we've all seen it: people at a restaurant, family uh, in a, a gathering uh, where everybody's together, but they're all looking down mm-hmm. at their screens. Uh, you see it with students, we see it with adults. I mean, I think we just we see it, and it, it's so isolating. And I think this is one of the subtle ones that we don't realize it, you know, because you can be in a crowded room of people where everyone's on their phones and they're not actually connecting person to person. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're thinking they're connecting through social media with people, but there's actual people right there in the room with them, you know. And so I think our screens have so much of our attention, so much more than we even realize. And, and I really do think they're enemies of connection. Yeah. Yeah. And then schedules, what I mean by that is man, we just we run. And when you're running from one thing to the next, constantly chasing your tail, uh, how do you have the capacity or the time to actually have meaningful connections when we're not slowing down long enough to connect with people in those spaces, but we're just on to the next thing? And then I think insecurities is, is something that Greg deals with in the in the message. And, and I think those insecurities can be a fear, uh, whether that's a fear of vulnerability, a fear of being known. Uh, you know, a fear that's based in pain from the past where a connection has hurt you and you're you're too scared to get out there and, and, and be open to being connected again.
1: Mm-hmm. I think too, um, like this kind of goes along with schedules, you know, you're talking about going from one thing to one thing. And even though the things that I'm moving between may be places where I am connecting with people, um, I, I get disconnected in those in-between times as I'm on my way to the next thing. There's not enough margin for me to slow Mm -hmm. down and maybe even notice an opportunity for connection, much less make any kind of connection. And one that I don't know that Greg does talk about much, but for me, assumptions are a big part of, or are an enemy for connection. Um, I, if I see something, maybe I assume somebody else is involved, somebody else is going to take care of it. Somebody Mm -hmm. else is going to meet that need. Or, or maybe, um, I make an assumption that, that they don't want to talk to me, that they don't want me to insert myself into their lives, that, Um, I make an assumption that maybe there's a wall up when there's not or something like that. Or even when it comes to faith issues, I might make an assumption that that they don't want to hear anything about God or what the Bible has to say or about my church or something like that. So I, I find myself making a lot of assumptions in my head.
2: Going back to to screens, I've got just kind of a unique uh, little anecdote about what I experienced a couple weeks ago. So we go to family camp every summer, and I made the decision at camp this year. uh, It's kind of summer over summer I continue to do this, where I don't carry my phone. I don't have it on me. Like, it's there at camp, but it sits on my nightstand, and it's there all week, and I don't ever take it off. Um, so my screen time report comes in on Sundays and, and the camp, the Sunday after camp, it was amazing to me how much my screen time was down. And then the week after camp, it was like, it was up 175% or something like that.
0: We think you've lost your phone. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You, You don't have your phone. Uh, I would add, maybe it's included in that list. The idea of screen schedules and insecurities. I would say selfishness. I think sometimes oh, I... That's another S. <laughs> yeah, it's another it fits in there. Maybe it's schedules, but it's like, man, this would this is going to take just more energy and effort. You know, I think I'm, I'm kind of wired both as an extrovert and an introvert, growing up an only child. That's
2: a new one. It's called Ambervert. <clears throat> Ambervert? Have you heard of this? Yeah. No. It's for real.
0: Uh, but it, being an only child, I love my space. I love just to be like, I'm going to go do this by myself and... Um, And so sometimes I think, man, I really should be connected. I really should go do that or talk to them or or engage, but I just, it's going to (laughs) take more energy and just the selfishness in me wants to be like, I would just rather be over here.
2: That is so funny to me. Not that I can't relate to being selfish because we all know that I can, but I am so extroverted. I cannot relate to not drawing energy from other people. Like today's my day off. And I've already been in a committee meeting, had coffee with somebody and then met you guys to podcast. I'm like, that's how I would want to spend my day off Mm -hmm. rather than at the house by myself with the dog. (laughs) Get a hobby. I do. It's hanging out with people. (laughs) It's being on (laughs) committees.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, the last question is just really building the whole thing, tying the whole thing together, if we were uniquely created for community, each one of us, to be connected, um, ultimately, I think it fits into the bigger story and the bigger picture of what God is doing here on earth, uh, that me, that our, our community should be different. And so what, my question is, what makes Christian community different from every other type of community, and how should we stand out? Because that, going back to it, there are plenty of places to be connected And what we're talking about very specifically here on Sunday is being connected to other followers of Jesus. But there are lots of other places you could be connected. So what makes us stand out? What makes it different? And how does that play out?
2: Having just been to a committee meeting this morning, (laughs) uh, I would say that it's extraordinarily different and the difference gets at the purpose. And I think that's so important for us to understand the purpose of Christian community and and what we hope to create in our Christian homes, our Christian groups, our Christian friendship circles, right? Uh, Where it's this idea where we are known enough um, that we can pursue Jesus together. Yeah. Um, going back to one of these verses that you highlighted, Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen: "Is as iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another. And it's this idea that we are made to grow in community. And so, uh, you know, what does it look like for us to have this purpose of spurring one another on towards faith and good deeds and really pursuing Jesus together?
1: Yeah. I think it's, you know, a simultaneous encouragement, you know, we're encouraging each other on, but we're also challenging each other and, and pushing back on each other when when needed and things like that. And, you know, similarly to you coming from your committee meeting, like I'm coming from a meeting with city leadership where it wasn't necessarily going to be Christian community, but then it turned out that everyone in the room As a Christ follower, and so that immediately became part of the conversation. And it was very interesting to me how it shifted a little bit from meeting needs in the community because their needs and people should be taken care of to meeting needs in the community for the sake of the kingdom, God's kingdom, Mm -hmm. and people... People knowing that God's people care for them and therefore God cares for them.
2: Yeah. And not that, you know, committee meetings are necessarily where this takes place, but like I think when people think of community outside of Christian community, they think of it being fun. It's a, it's a sports league. It's a, you know, a group of friends that hangs out at this bar. It's this or that. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's supposed to be these kinds of fun concepts. And it's like, man, I hope that your concept of Christian community also involves fun. Mm-hmm. Because if anybody should enjoy life and have things to celebrate, it's the people who follow Jesus and live in the freedom mm-hmm. of the gospel, right? So I hope that your concept of Christian community is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Mine is. Uh, <laughs> it is. I mean, we have fun here. I think oh, I look forward to this. Well, time like to our our staff
2: culture, uh-huh. you know, the staff of of ministers and pastors. Our staff culture is men. We work hard and we play hard. Yeah. Like we should have a lot of fun in our jobs, yeah. and we do.
0: I always think. I mean, this is complete speculation, but I just believe Jesus was the funniest one of the group. Oh, I think he loved yeah. to laugh. <laughs> you tell me. I don't know. I haven't watched the Chosen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what was he like, Randy? <laughs> <laughs> well, playing together is also one of the best ways, if not the best ways to build connection mm-hmm. with people. So as a work staff, we should be playing together and playing hard because that is what helps us work hard in families. Playing together is really important.
2: So important. We talk about that next gen world. The, the formula is fun over time equals connection yep. and that fun has so much purpose. And ultimately in our families, if we want to create connected families, you've got to play together.
0: Mm-hmm. Got to have fun. This may be a weird idea that came to my mind, but well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a concept, but you're talking about what sets Christian community part. You know, you hear the phrase all the time. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Right. Like if someone's going to give you something, provide something like there's a, catch to it, or they're trying to sell you something or get you to do something. Uh, But I hear that often, uh, even when I'm inviting leaders to lunch or something. That that is a joke, right? But as I think about Christian community in my life and how it's played out, I can think of so many moments just to be so blessed, to sit at lunch with somebody, to sit in someone's home, someone who is blessing me, taking care of me, supporting me for no other reason purpose. There is no agenda. There is no catch. It's just, we love and care about you because you are a follower of Jesus Mm -hmm. and a brother and a sister to us. And I just think, and it's because people are generous in the world, but there is such a different distinctiveness to it. And I think that's ultimately what I'm kind of getting here too, Of the we were meant to be connected to one another, to help each other, to support each other, to shape each other, but also to stand out. Yeah. in a world that is not those things.
2: Well, and let's be honest. Like the the big idea of this message series is, you can be in a crowd of people and still feel al- isolated, and uh, and it's absolutely true that that can happen at our church. You mm-hmm. know, it's heartbreaking, but it's true that someone could come in and out of that space from parking lot to parking lot on a Sunday morning. And be in this crowd of people, but still feel isolated. And I mean, that's one of the big hopes of this message series that we will draw so much attention to this that we really would kind of stamp out to the the best of our God-given ability isolation, and the, you know, we would just be intentional about building a community in our church uh, where that's less and less likely to happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. Like, like we do acknowledge that and understand that. So on the flip side of that, our encouragement to ourselves and anybody who listens to this podcast, like be an enemy of isolation, you know, like whether mm. it's on a Sunday morning at church or, um, anywhere else in the community, like try to think of yourself as an enemy to isolation.
2: Yeah. And not just recognize our own need for community, but others too. Yeah. And being that source of connection for yeah. other people and just being intentional about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you'll go around giving away pints of Bluebell, uh, that'll bless people.
0: <laughs> they're ex- they're rare these days. <laughs> the oatmeal cream pie. Yeah, those are rare. Yeah.
2: Well, to be clear, that did not come from Brazoria County, right? No,
0: that came from, from Brenham. Yeah, from Brenham.
2: From the factory.
0: Special delivery. <laughs> well, I'm excited for the series. And I think uh, I love that we started off with the idea of we are more isolated than we really think. And some people would immediately say, I am isolated and, and I'm, I'm ex- glad that we can meet a need, hopefully, as we talk about this. But for every person to really look up and think there are enemies of connection all around us that we mm-hmm. fall into. And how can we begin to maybe remove some of those and become more connected? Yeah. Every person has a next step, at least. I may not feel that.
1: lonely, but am I connected? Yeah,
0: Yeah. yeah. And I, I appreciate making the distinction there, too, to help people think through. Maybe I am isolated.
2: And I'm eager for next week's conversation on friendships and really uh, having friendships that are meaningful and friendships that help us pursue Christ together. That's going to be good.
0: Hmm. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week.